on a series called Cloudy with a Chance of Loaves and Fishes. And we're going to jump in in just a minute. But every single week, one of the things that we do is we recognize that we are not the only body of Christ. Uh, we're not the only one. We are a part of the body, and we are in the body, but we're not the only one. And in an effort, because the, the Lord said this, Jesus said this in John 17, he said, when you get in unity, the world will believe. Yeah. Well, part of the reason why the world's not believing like it should is because the bodies have not been in unity. And so a lot of times what happens is people get in this, well, I got the greatest church, and it's awesome, and God's doing great things for me, and everybody ought to come to my church. You know, and sometimes I've felt like that, you know, and I'm going, why didn't everybody come to my church? Because I want everybody to come to my church, right? But the truth of the matter is there's different churches, and God will use different churches to reach different people. And those churches are just as much a part of the body as the person sitting next to you today. And our job as an, in an effort to bring unity and as a body to keep our mind focused not just on our kingdom, but to keep it focused on God's kingdom. Every single week we try to lift up another body and their leadership, their pastor, and the people that go there. And so this week, if you look on your handouts, we're lifting up Great is His Mercy Ministries and Pastor Felicia Berenger. And so let's just lift them up. They are a part of who we are. So will you agree with me and let's pray and lift them up. So Father, right now, we just thank you for Great is His Mercy Ministries. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Felicia and, and we just praise you for them. They are a part of us. Lord, and we just thank you for them. We give you glory for them. And we just ask that your hand, that your face, that your blessing would be on them in every way possible, Lord. We just ask that your favor would just uh, explode inside of each and every member and attender and partner of that ministry. Lord, we ask that your protection would go. That you would multiply their finances, their health, the restoration, Lord, their, their deliverance from every evil. Lord, we just ask for wisdom to be in their leadership, and we praise you for it. And we thank you today. On behalf of Boomerang, on behalf of your body, Lord, we thank you and praise you for that ministry and Pastor Felicia. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think you're going to have to take the monitor down just a little bit more on my mic because I hear it feeding back. So, um, when the weather is like this and it's this humid, all the audio changes, and that's part of what you're getting. So I appreciate you uh, bearing with us on that. So we have been talking about, and just started last week, on cloudy with a chance of loaves and fishes. And uh, if you were here last week, you kind of know what that means. And if you don't, you're wondering why pieces of bread and fish are flying through the air. And uh, so we'll get to it real quick. Uh, in Isaiah, it says this, in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, Therefore, my people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. Well, that's not a good thing. I don't want to be held captive. But the truth of the matter is, we see people all the time that are still held captive because they don't know God. You heard me just a second ago say that all your problems stem from a lack of true, intimate fellowship with God, with, from a lack of uh, knowledge of who God is. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
And then in the same verse, but in uh, the New Living Translation, it says this, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. Now here's one of the things that actually came out at the Wednesday maturity meeting this week and is that marriage uh, is a picture of the love of God. And one of the things that he says in marriage, he says that the two people should become one. And he used that as a picture of how we are supposed to be with Christ. In other words, let me show you this. Christ and us are one. When we accept him, Christ and his body are one. And so if we're going to get to know God and we're going to know him and we don't want to be destroyed and we don't want to be captive, we want to find out everything we can about God. We want to get in there, not just trivia and facts, but we want to have fellowship with him. Well, guess what? If you're one with him, then what you're saying is you also want to have fellowship with his body. Because those people sitting in the seats next to you, they are if they know Christ, they're one with him too. And in order to get to know God and be with him, you got to be with them too. Now, nobody look at your neighbor and be like, oh man, don't do that. Everybody be like, yeah, praise God. And you know, turn to your neighbor and smile, even if you're faking it. Just, yeah, I love you. I want to get to know you, right? Well, you want to get to know. Well, here's the thing. The church is his body, and the church is one with God. And in order to get to know God and not be destroyed and not be held captive, this is the reason why we're in this series, because we need to take a look and see what does God say about the church? Who are they? What are they called to do? Do you know that God loves his church and gave his life for her? Do you know that? Do you know that, that, that his body is the apple of his eye? Do you know that the church is, is such a high priority to God that he sent his son to die for it? Do you know that? Do you understand it and esteem it the way that God does? Well, the more that we esteem things the way that God does, the more our lives line up and we're not destroyed and we're not gone into captivity because we've gotten to know him. So in order to get to know him, one of the facets of God that we need to get to know is, what is this thing called church? And so we were looking last week in um, uh, Matthew chapter 14, 15, and 16, and we were taking a look at the story where they fed the 5,000, and then in chapter 15 where they fed uh, the 4,000 people. Now that was just men that they were counting, so there were women and children there that aren't included in that number. Most scholars give uh, an average to for every man that was there, there's generally at least one wife and one kid on average. So when he fed the 5,000, most of them agree that there was at least probably 15,000 people there. And when he fed the 4,000, there was at least probably 12,000 people there. So it was more than just, you know, more than just the 5,000 and 4,000. And so that's a lot. Uh, what we said last week is, man, if they're handing out McHebrew Happy Meals, that's a bunch of them, you know. I don't know about you, but that's a lot, you know. And you can't just go to the you can't just go to the local uh, you know um, Hebrew McDonald's down there and say hey by the way I want fifteen thousand you know Happy Meals right you can't do that that all of a sudden there's an issue there there's a hey we got to figure out what's going on we got to we got to figure out where we're going to get some food for these people 
And so Jesus said, what are you going to do? And he said, he said hey, we've got to send these people home so we can feed them. And Jesus said, you feed them. And you notice he said, he didn't say, I'll feed them. He said, you feed them. And then, see, we have this idea that everything that happened that was power and was miracles happened in the hands of Jesus. But here's the problem, and this is why you have the graphic, and this is why I wanted to capture your attention. The power and the miracle didn't happen in Jesus' hands in both of those events. He started it, he showed us how, but the power happened in the hands of the disciples. It happened in the hands of the body. Otherwise, when he lifts that thing up to heaven, says, God, bless it. Let it multiply. He'd have just been covered in a pile of loaves and fishes, right? I mean, he'd have been under there, arms and legs sticking out. But he wasn't because what he did was he asked God to bless it. He started taking, and this was two points that we covered last week, very strong. He used what's in his hands, number one. Number two the power and the miracle happens in the hands of the body. Because he took that, and in the, when he fed the 4,000, he showed them how to do it, feeding the 5,000. When he fed the 4,000, he started breaking it, and it says he started, he broke it and started, and then he handed it to the disciples. They took it, and they handed it out, and the multiplication happened in their hands as they delivered the food to the people. Well, the same principle is here today. God's not up there going, well, I think I'll you know, miraculously bless that person and that person, and never having any use of the body. The same procedure works today when we as the body say, Lord, what would you have me go and pass out to somebody? What would you have me go do? And God says, what's in your hands? What do you have available? What talents and abilities? And then as we go and we take what's in our hands and we present it to the Lord and we walk out into the world, be it the job or here or wherever, we walk out into the world, all of a sudden now, right in the middle of our hands, your hands, not just the preacher, your hands, that's where the miracle happens. That's where the power happens. So this is one of the first looks that we have at the church is it's your hands that the power of God is supposed to happen in. We had a testimony last week where Darius uh, had taken that and he prayed over somebody. He said, hey, pastor, will you pray over somebody? I said, yeah, let's pray right now. But then you go pray for him. And he went and prayed for him. And power came into that situation, came into that family, came into this baby. And, they were, and they, their testimony was, that was a powerful prayer. And I didn't do it. The body of Christ did it. It wasn't fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It wasn't one of them. It was believer. It was child of God. And every single one of you, if you know Christ, you are a child of God. And every single one of you, if you know Christ, you have that same power and that same anointing in your hands. So let's look at Luke chapter 4. Today, what we're looking at is that you are the body of his anointing. You're the body of his anointing. Luke 4.17 says, and this is Jesus, the book of uh, the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and Jesus opened the book and he found the place where it is written. And then listen to what Jesus says. 
the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. So first thing is, he is sent to bring good news to the poor. He's bringing good news to the poor. Anybody ever been poor? Yeah, me too. Have you ever been right in the middle of poor and you just wanted some good news? <laughs> Anybody who raised their hand, yes. And, you know, it's like, yes, me, thank you very much. Well, I've been there too. And Jesus said this, if you find yourself in a situation where you're in lack, I've got good news for you. And it's not just talking about financial lack. We're talking about lack in any way. Are you poor in any area? Health, finances, you know, emotions. Are you lacking there? You have some lack. Mental, you're lacking there. Jesus says, I've got good news for you. This is part of the anointing that God sent Jesus with. This is part of the power that he sent Jesus with was to bring whoever's in lack to the place where they don't have to lack anymore. Then he says this. He says, he sent me to proclaim release to the captive. Have you ever felt in your life that you are just bound up and I can't seem to get free? Now, have you ever felt sick? And all of a sudden it's like, if I could just get to feeling better, please help, right? Well, what's happening is you're captive to something. And if you will look to Jesus, you will find that he has already paid to break the chains of anything that binds you. Anything. He sent Jesus. Here's where Jesus is saying, God the Father has sent me to proclaim, to tell you, release to the captives is done. He's, he sent me to give recovery of sight to the blind. What that represents is if you've got physical ailments in your body, they can be healed. Period. I don't care how long you've had them. To set free those who are oppressed. In other words, if you've got any oppression whatsoever in your life, Jesus came in this power to set you free. Well, we're talking about some good news here. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. In other words, it's saying, doesn't matter where you're at or what point you are in your life, this year, when you understand how I was sent, you will, you will start to see that this is great news for you. And you, God has brought you favor. He has brought you a year where it's easy to accept Him. And then it's like, well, I don't know about that. And that's because you really don't know yet who he is. But if you'll listen to what he's saying, he's saying, if you've got a problem, there's a solution that's already been given in Christ. So, <laughs> somebody gave me a shirt. I've been playing with a Rubik's Cube, and somebody gave me a shirt, and it says, um, um, if you've got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. And then it's got a picture of the Rubik's Cube on there from Vanilla Ice's thing. And so I'm thinking, if you've got a problem, Jesus is saying, yo, I'll solve it. No matter what it is. No matter what it is. It's like, you got a problem? I'll solve it. I got it. So that's, I looked at Nicole because she's the one, I knew she was going to, if I looked at her, I was going to bust out laughing. Then I had to tell you what I was thinking about. So if you've got a problem, Jesus has already said on the cross, it's finished. Yo, I'll solve it. He's already said it. This is what Jesus was saying. If you want to break it down in today's language, Jesus right here is saying, God sent me to tell you, yo, I'll solve it. 
It's done. Got some dancing going on in the seats this morning. It's awesome. And then listen to what he said. He closed the book in verse 20. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. In other words, you're not waiting on this to happen anymore. It's happening right now. You're not waiting on it. It's done right now. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. Well, that's good news, right? Isn't it awesome that we have Jesus? But, Jesus isn't standing here in the flesh today. Is he? Well, that's a good question. If you're his body, is he? Yes, he is. He's standing here in you. Because you are the body of his anointing. His anointing is designed to break bondages. It says that the anointing breaks the yoke off of the neck in Isaiah 10.27. 1 John 3.8 says that Jesus appeared and manifested himself to destroy the works of the devil. Have you been fallen prey in your life to the works of the devil? And this says Jesus came so that would be destroyed. I mean, obliterated. That's why Jesus came. It's not theory. It's not in the future. It's right now. He says, today this scripture is fulfilled. Today I'm solving your problems. Then he says this. He says, 1 John 2.27, As for you, talking about believers, as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. It abides in you. His anointing is in you. You know, anointing is represented a lot of times by oil, right? And so if, if you could see uh, oil, you can smear. I got some in my pocket. So if I have anointing oil, then that represents the power of God, the spirit of God. And when I have that oil on my hands and I take it, when I go and I place my hands on somebody and I'm smearing that oil, nice hair, Todd. And, 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 and do you a little, and, uh, do you a little, all right, all right, good. So when we do that, he's got residual of that anointing on him. And when I take that and I place it, you've got a toboggan on. What am I going to do to it? And so when I place that here, that anointing's here too. And when I leave now, when I'm gone and not present there physically, that anointing resides. And when we are the body of his anointing, when we have his anointing inside of us, it's saying what I left you with was the power of God. What you have on you, in you, and around you is the power of God. You are the body of his anointing. The same anointing that sets people free. The same anointing that breaks bondages. The same anointing that destroys the work of the devil. And so a lot of people are going around like, you know, the devil's chasing them, you know. And they're like, ah, the devil's after me, pastor, help me, help me. You know, right? But they got to realize that same anointing's in them. 
And they're not, they shouldn't be out there like, come on, devil, tempting them. But they should be saying, no, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm not running from you. You're, a, you're going around as a roaring lion trying to get me to do something because of how you're telling me how big you are. But you're nothing because Jesus was given all power and authority. That means you don't have any. There's zero left for you. And what power Jesus has, he now says, is in me. Because I'm a believer. Because I'm, and listen to this, because I'm a child of the Father. Not because I was something special on my own, but because he said, I want you to be a part of me. Now, I'm a part of him because of his love. And if I'm a part of him, I'm made in his image and in his likeness. And if I'm a part of him and his anointing's in me, that means the power of the heavenly father is right here. And you know what? It's been there the whole time ever since you accepted Jesus. And if you haven't accepted Jesus and you've been going, man, I wish God would help me sometimes, accept Jesus, receive that power and start putting it to use. Jesus said this in John 17, 18, as you sent me into this world, I also have sent them into the world. So if you can imagine, Seth and Todd, will y'all come here for a second? So let's say, all right, let's say that Todd is God the Father, right? And at one point, back around, you know, 0 B.C., or B, 0 A.D., he said, and I'll push me into the world. If I'm Jesus, he sent me, and he sent Jesus into the world, but he sent him with an anointing. Did he send him empty-handed? No, he sent him with an anointing, with faith, with the ability, even though he was a man, he had the ability to connect with God, hear from him, and do every bit of his will. And then Jesus says, the same way that you sent me, when they believe, when they believe on me, I'm sending them the same way. With the power of God. With the things of God. With, I'm not sending them empty-handed. I'm sending them with his anointing. This is who the church is. Can you see why people have been destroyed and in captivity if they don't know things like this? If they don't really know who they are in Christ? They don't know who the church is in Christ? Then all of a sudden they'll be going through life like, God, why won't you help me? And he's like, I've already helped you. Lay hands on yourself. Bless others. Step up. To what I've already given you. Step up. Release what's in you. You're sent with an anointing. You know, uh, a lot of times we don't talk about it as much today, but names used to be very important. You know, and names would be like, like our last name is Wright. And we would do stuff like, they, we would be called like wheel rights or something like that. And that meant that we were a craftsman you know, with wheels or whatever, but it kind of told you who we are and what we do. And there was Smith, and that would be like a blacksmith and other kinds of Smiths that would do things. It kind of told you who they are and what they do. What's the nature of their life? And you've got to understand that when you say Jesus Christ, Christ is not just his last name. It's not just his last name. What Christ means is, Christ means the anointed one. 
See, a name will tell you, uh, it defines character and nature. You know, this, now this is huge, because in the Old Testament, God defines himself by his names. Like Jehovah Jireh, that means I am the God who provides for you. And this is not just defining, you know, it's like God up there like, yay me, I'm, a, I'm Jehovah Jireh. No, that's not just defining who he is. He's saying, when you need me, I'm your provider. Jehovah Rapha means I'm your healer. This is who he is. This is his character. This is his nature. So when he said Jesus Christ, it's saying this is the anointed one that you've been hearing about the whole time. This is the one, and he is bringing the anointing. So it's not just the anointed one by itself. It wasn't just talking about Christ. It's saying Jesus, the anointed one, and his anointing. It's representative of what he brings, of his nature. And then he calls you, you, if you're a believer, you are the body of Christ. And when he says that, he's not just saying, you're the body of Jesus. He's saying, you are the body of the anointed one. And you are the body of his anointing. So not just the person, but what the person is. The character and nature. You're the hands and the feet of the nature of God. So when you move in this life, it's saying, look, this is who I am. I'm not just the people that will stand there and pass out the miracle that Jesus did. The miracle that Jesus does is happening through me. It's happening through you. Romans 12.5 said, So we who are many are one body in Christ. Every time you see the word Christ, you should think, we are one body in Jesus, the anointed one. And then you should also think this. We are one body in his anointing. This is where we live. We live and reside in his anointing. That means I carry freedom. I carry his anointing. Everywhere I go, I live in that place. When I need something and there's a, there's a problem, the solution of his anointing rises up in me and meets that if I believe that way. Now, if you don't know this, or you don't believe that way, the problem rises up and you're like, Jesus, please handle it, and then you get bulldozed. But if you know it, then what happens is you stand up and, and that problem rises up and all of a sudden you go, there's something inside of me, and it will bulldoze that problem. And all of a sudden you react different. Your reaction starts to change. You start looking at things like, no, you can't do that. Not because I'm so good, but because Jesus in me is so good and he's bringing something with him. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now, now you are the anointing's body. Now you are Christ's body. Now, right now, you are the anointing's body. In other words, when Christ wants to do something, it's going to happen through you or it's not going to happen. You see that? 
And then we sit back and we go, well, why is all this bad stuff happening? Because the body's not rising up and being who God's told them to be. And they're not opening up the door for God to flow through them and work through them. And when we've seen it, a lot of times it's the preacher standing up here saying, I'm the one who's anointed. But y'all, y'all just got to sit there and receive from me. Well, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, Jesus said to the people, and he said, here, take this, go distribute it, and watch how it multiplies in your hands. And it's not just the pastors and the apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, not just us. It's every believer. You are the body of his power. You are the body, the hands and feet. Of his anointing. You are the hands and feet of the freedom that Christ wants to dish out. You are the hands and feet of the miracles that God wants to work on this earth. You are the hands and feet of the light that will hold the darkness back. It's in your hands. Ephesians 4, 11-13. I want you to really watch this. Watch what he says right here. And this really starts to get into pieces that we're looking at next week. What we're going to be talking about next week is what is the church exactly? And when you see it, I think you're going to be amazed. It's an awesome thing that's really been hidden that, that it, not many people really know about this. And, and the church hasn't known about it, but you're going to like it. Look at this, Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some as apostles and prophets and evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. He gave some as that Four, why did he give those offices? Why did he give them? Were they more special? Well, they're more special. No. They just have a different role. But they do have a role, and look what the role is. Why did he do that? He did it for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ to build up the body of anointed ones to build up the body of his anointing in other words part of the reason that we're here is to teach you that you're anointed and when you start to realize that and realize what's in your hands is the power and freedom of God, I can pray for somebody. And it changes, not me, but like Darius did the other week. You can pray. Any believer can say, I'm going to pray for you. And something's going to happen because there's Jesus who lives in me and he's going to flow through. He wants to meet that need. You've got a problem. Yo, he wants to solve it. I'm going to pray for you and you need it. You need it. And if it's going to come, it's going to come through one of us. Because he already came and set the standard on how this works. He already came and paid the price for his freedom and anointing to flow through you. He says, I'm giving you though these, you know, these pastors and apostles and prophets, evangelists and teachers, I'm giving them though because what I want to do is I want these you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to come into the body and I want you to start reworking things that they need. I want you to lift them up in the anointing so that they'll stand tall, so that they'll know, so that they can get full. Look at the next verse. Verse 13. I want you, in verse 12 it says, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all, until we all attain 
the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So the point of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is to keep working with the body of Christ until they fully stand like the Son of God because they are His body. In other words, you know, come here guys real quick again. I'm, I'm picking on you all day. So turn around. So if I'm, if I'm the pastor in this situation, and, and I want you to squat just a little bit like that. Well, see, he might not be rat rising up to the full nature, but our job is to sit there and say, man, you don't have to be hunched over like that anymore. You can stand up straight. God's got you. Stand up. You know, stretch them. Do something. Right. Hey, you got stuff in these hands. You know, you got some power in there. Now, believe who you are. You can do it. You know, go, champ. Champ. Go, champ. You got this. You got this devil, man. Work him out. You know, that's what, the, that's what we're supposed to do. Go sit down. <laughs> So we just keep working. We keep chipping away, getting off the world. And, and, you know, Michelangelo said he saw the picture inside the stone, right? Well, Jesus says, there's a picture inside and it looks like me. Keep chipping off the world till you get it. Keep chipping off the world till you start acting like Him, praying like Him. Talking like Jesus, moving like Jesus, believing like Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the devil tries to come up and you realize, hey, it's Jesus in me and you've got no chance, devil. And all of a sudden, we start to realize we got the victory. We got the victory. Because we start to look like Him, like Jesus. And our job as apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers is to build you up, to make you strong, to show you how to work out, to show you how to believe. But it's not for us to get up here and be like, yo, look at me. The job is to make you look like Him. Let's all start looking like Jesus. Let's all put on Christ. Because you're the body. You're the hands. You're the feet. He travels and goes where you go. He touches what you touch. And He touches it effectively based on how you believe that He's made you. And when you start to realize, I'm the body of His power. I'm the body. I'm the hands and feet of His miracle-working power. You start to act differently. And when that person comes in front of you, you're not like, hey, pastor, i got somebody over here that's sick. You're like, hold on, I've got Jesus in me. I'm, boom. And they get healed. Matter of fact, you want to get to the point where it's not even, not even an issue anymore. You just, you're just like, yeah, let's pray. Let's pray. Steve, Stephen's been telling me a bunch of stories where he's sitting there, and, and as this stuff has started to rise up inside of him, he says, people keep asking me to pray. Amen! They should. They should know that you move in His love and you move in His grace and you move in His power. They should know. And then all of a sudden, you know what happens is we're the light. It makes you be the light. And then it says that nations and kings will come to your radiance. Why? Because what you're radiating is the true power of God. You are the body of His anointing. You are the hands and feet of His anointing. You are the action 
of His anointing. If there's going to be action of Christ on this earth, it's going to come through His body. It's going to come through His body. In other words, it's not just going to come through me. It's going to come through you. Now some of you are going like, I don't know if I want to do that. And others of you are going like, what? I can do that? Yes. Don't let me hold you back. You know, you don't have to attack somebody in Walmart, you know. You don't have to be like, run them down. I'm a, come here, I'm going to pray for you, you know. <laughs> Boom! You know, you don't have to do that. But trust me, you start believing that you are the body of His anointing, God starts sending you people that want a touch from Him. And guess what? When you pray for Him, or you do anything according to His will, the power of God will flow through you. It'll flow. God meets obedience. That's a big statement. God meets obedience. I want you to think think about in the Bible all of your heroes. Think about heroes and stories and, and even people that you know, maybe they're today, they're heroes of the faith that you know of. Experience tells us that at some point, all of them, experience tells us that any one of those heroes that you're thinking about, they didn't know if this power of God was going to work. You know, we think of them as, hey, now they know that the power of God is going to work, they move in it and everything, but you've got to think back. Before they knew that, there had to be a time where they didn't know that. There had to be a time, listen to this, there had to be a time where they didn't know if this power of God thing was going to work. But at some point, they decided, you know what? I'm simply going to believe that Jesus and His anointing is real. And what separates that hero from you is that decision. I'm simply going to trust God that His power is real and I'm going to put it to the, to the test. I'm going to put it into action. That's the difference between the hero that you're thinking about and you being that hero for Christ. Is deciding, I'm going to trust God. Here's the question. Are you going to decide to simply believe today? Become His. Be filled with His anointing. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is being filled up with His anointing. You know, it's, it's kind of like this when I had that oil on my hands earlier and I just touched. If you can imagine the Holy Spirit, you know, God from heaven pouring out, opening up the, the top and going till it overflows. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled like that. Well, then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to know God, accept Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you stir up the gift, you know, because sometimes even after I've been filled with the Spirit, sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm just like, uh, I just want to take a nap today. It's so gray outside. It's a good nap. And, and, and then somebody comes up and they're like, hey, I just really need this. I got this problem. You're like, I don't feel like it. I want to go sleep. Would you get out of my face? And you know what? You don't want to do anything. But you know what? There was a time when Jesus didn't want to die on the cross either. He was in the garden saying, this is not my will, but your will be done, Father. Thank goodness he died for us and he went on and did something he didn't feel like doing. And so, 
I guess I can pray for you. And you have to stir that up and know that no matter how I feel, that power of God's still in me. No matter what my emotions are telling me or what my body is telling me, that power of God still resides in here. It's the funniest thing when I pray for people, you know, and I've had experience doing that a lot, so I've got to experience some different things. I've had times where I could feel it. I mean, it's like pulsating out of me, his power, his anointing. And I'm like, ooh, let me get my hands on you when I'm expecting them to, you know, boom and fly across the room or something, you know, because I can feel it. And then, and, and then, of course, there's that, you know, that, that, that slam back to reality when they're like, hey, did you feel that? Yeah, well, yeah, you know. And you're like, what? <laughs> How in the world, you know? And then sometimes they feel it, sometimes they don't. We're not led by feelings. You know what? I've, and this is the truth, and I, I, is some of the times when people are like, oh my gracious, I felt the power of God. We had a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night where, where God was moving, and J.D., uh, he said, I've never felt God like this. We were ministering right over in here, and he said, I walked up and I hit a wall of God, and I could not go any further because His power is just like, like this. But you know what I was feeling that night? Nothing. And yet that kind of power was there. Now, I, if I'd have been moved by my feelings, I'd have been like, well, nothing happened. But that wasn't true at all. And so we've got to stir up this anointing. And you stir it up by believing that it's there and knowing that God will keep His Word. And no matter how I feel, yes, sir, when I pray, something's going to happen. Whether you feel it, whether I feel it, whether the whole world feels it or not, when I pray according to His Word, something's going to happen, okay? Amen. And something happens. And that power from heaven is released. So you have to stir it up. And you have to let it flow. Freely, listen to this. Freely you have been given. Now freely give. Do you realize that inside of you, whether you believe it or not, His anointing has already been given to you? And so whether you feel it or realize it or not, if you're born again, it's in you. And your job is to look at Scripture and say, that's true, and He gave it to me, and it was free. And my job, my responsibility is to say, if He gave it to me, it's meant to be given away, and I need to get up and get going and start releasing some of this that's inside of me. And what you'll find is, there was a lot more than you ever felt before, because all of a sudden, it's like you're activating these things of God. You know, I mean, it just starts catching. This stuff starts stirring inside of you, and you just want to do it more and more, and touch more and more people for Christ. Mark 16, 15, as we finish, says this, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed has been baptized and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Listen to this verse, verse 17. These signs shall accompany not the preachers, apostles, pastors, evangelists, teachers alone. These signs will accompany those that believe. If you believe in Christ and you believe that you are the body of His anointing, these signs will follow you. 
In my name, they'll cast out demons, speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents and drink. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, there's people that will get off on that about the serpents and the poison. Basically, that's meaning that God will protect you. You don't go and put him to the test, but he will protect you when you come against those kinds of things. So you can take belief and faith and go do what he's called you to do. And you don't have to worry about that stuff. Just be obedient because God meets obedience. Those that have believed will see these signs. So the question is this. Do you believe that you are the body of his anointing? And you can start small. Just start in your own, in your own life. In your own family. Lord, you know what? You came to set us free from my baby being sick. I don't have to stand for this. I, I have the body of his anointing in me. And so we just say, sickness, you have no right here. In Jesus' name. And watch as that thing goes away so quick. Watch as, it's, as, if, as that sickness never gets a foothold in that, in that body. Watch as it just dissolves. Why? Because you're anointed through Christ. Let's just stand. You are the body of His anointing. And right now, I just want you to think about, I want you to think about your problems for a second. I want you to think about that stuff. I want you to think about all that stuff that you really need Jesus to meet. And then I want you to think, if Jesus was standing right next to you, standing in the seat beside you, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, what if Jesus himself showed up and prayed for you today? Would it happen? Would it happen? You think so? Are you sure? I mean, because that wasn't resounding, you know. Are you, are you positive? I think you would. You think Jesus prays in faith? You think he has his prayers answered? I think so. I think that would be the end of it. And yet, he's standing right there inside of you. If you know him, he's standing right inside of you. And if you don't know him, he can stand right inside of you. Right now, today. And so I want you to just think, man, just let Jesus pray through you over yourself, over your problems. Let Jesus pray through you. And, you know, just in case anybody's feeling like their relationship's off or they need to have more of a relationship, let's just all pray this for a second. Just say, Father, I receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. He is the director of my life. Jesus makes my decisions. And I give him obedience. And anything I've done wrong, I just repent. I turn and change. And I start doing what's right. For Jesus. And I believe that the Father brought him back to life for me. And to renew my fellowship with my loving Father. And right now, I receive that fresh and new fellowship with my Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. And so now, right now, if you said that, you meant that with your heart, you're in fresh fellowship with God. So right now, who's standing with you? Who's standing on the inside of you? And so right now, just all of those issues and those problems that you've got in your life, I want you to see the hands of Jesus touching yourself as you lay your hands on yourself. His anointing to set you free, to bring you out of any poorness, any lack in any area. And so Lord, right now, we just ask for rest to be. Just lay your hands on your own head or heart if you need to. Lord, just thank you for touching my life. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you, Lord, for bringing your anointing that sets the captive free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving in me. Thank you, Father, for it. Thank you that you're meeting those problems and you're solving them, Lord. You're solving every problem I've ever had or ever will have. You've already paid for it. Lord, I just believe and I receive it and these signs follow me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anybody feel God moving while you were praying for yourself? Anybody feel that? Amen. Praise God. Sometimes you can feel it, sometimes you can't. It doesn't really matter if you can feel it. We know that it's true based off of what he said. And we choose to believe. Father, I just thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you that we, we are not walking through this life without any help without any power, but we have the reality of you living on the inside of us to bring a reality of solutions, to bring manifestation of your love in our lives. Thank you, Father, that you didn't leave us helpless, but you empowered us to live and live abundantly through you. We praise you and we love you, and we go into this week with a fresh life overflowing, in your anointing, in your power, in your miracles, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. If it's your first day, we have a gift for you. And if you'll see Jeff and Tara, they're going to move right back here. And come see them and let us get in contact with you. Have a great day. Out of the ashes we rise There's no